Thank you, choir. Well, we are almost done with our series looking at Paul's two letters to the church in Thessalonica. Last week, Pastor Carol encouraged us to stand on our sure, solid hope in Jesus. We can live for weeks without food, days without water, minutes without oxygen, but without hope, forget it. This week, we are moving on to Paul's second letter to this church. It was probably written very soon after the first letter. It looks like the person who delivered Paul's letter to the church might have been concerned that they were misinterpreting or not fully understanding Paul's first message. So Paul felt obliged to clarify and, uh, and reinforce a few things. In our first text today, uh, we heard you know, one of the hardest passages in the entire Bible to interpret. Uh, in that part of the letter, Paul references his, his earlier teachings that he would have taught them in person. So they would have known what he was talking about, but we don't. So it's kind of like listening in to one side of a phone conversation and trying to fill in the gaps. Uh, so that's why I had you know, Bill read it instead of me preaching on it. You know, pastor's <laughs> privilege. Uh, so if you want a summary, my New Testament professor summarized it in three words. We don't know. So instead of that, we're going to look at what was causing them to suddenly doubt their faith and how Paul tried to reassure them in the first chapter of 2 Thessalonians. <clears throat> Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We must always give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of everyone of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith during all of your persecutions and the afflictions that you are enduring. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God and is intended to make you worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are also suffering. For it is indeed just of God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give relief to the afflicted as well as to us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, these will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction, separated from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. When he comes to be glorified by his saints and to be marveled at on that day among all who have believed, because our testimony to you was believed. To this end, we always pray for you, asking that our God will make you worthy of his call and will fulfill by his power every good resolve and work of faith so that at the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you, and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord, so thanks be to God. There's a woman I knew who uh, took her faith very seriously. She attended a church that stressed the end times a whole lot, you know, like the Revelation stuff, or kind of what we you know, have heard from Paul during this series on First and Second Thessalonians, some other places, Book of Daniel, you know, that stuff. Uh, and one day she was at work and she went to the restroom and when she came out, something seemed a little off. Um, the person who worked next to her wasn't there anymore. Strange. In fact, the person two, two spots down from her also wasn't there. Very strange. So she went to her boss's office, opened the door, and her boss was missing as well. And suddenly it hit her like a ton of bricks. 
the rapture has happened while I was in the bathroom. The end times are here, the, the rapture, everyone is gone and I missed out. Why, God, am I still here? And if I'm being honest, why did they get taken instead of me? Right as the panic was starting to set in, the, the door opened and all of her coworkers start coming in. Turns out there had been a, a major car accident right out in front while she was in the bathroom and they went out to see if everyone was okay. But for that one perilous moment, she thought the day of the Lord had come and she had missed out. And that is exactly what the Thessalonians were afraid had happened to them as well. This is actually kind of a pretty common theme throughout Christian history. Uh, every generation has enough experiences and enough challenging circumstances uh, to think that they're living in the end times. I've heard from some of you who would contend that we are now in that time now. My response is always the same. It's possible. Jesus could come in five minutes. That'd make this the shortest sermon ever. It'd be really good, right? <laughs> it could come in 5,000 years, though. There's some, there's some error bars, right, on, on, on our guesses there. But I, th I think it's a little funny because, like, imagine, imagine that, you know, this is a leap year, right? So we're going to say, imagine that Jesus, you know for certain, Jesus is going to return on February 29th this year, okay? Imagine that. I can get, like, you know, signed, sealed, delivered, money back guarantee. Jesus is coming February 29th this year. Uh, how would you live differently if that were the case? Now, if history is any guide, uh, we, we know many groups that have, thought a particular date that Jesus was going to return, and we know what they did. Um, and so some of you might follow in their footsteps and sell your house, quit your jobs, and live it up for a few weeks. But is that going to help you win favor with Jesus? Probably not. So let's rephrase this question. Let's imagine again that Jesus is coming February 29th. You know that for sure. How would Jesus want you to live differently? Maybe you have some bitterness in your heart and that you're holding on to it, and Jesus might want you to, to forgive as he taught us to do. Maybe you feel like you've been drifting in your faith, and, and Jesus would, would want you to spend time alone with God in prayer, as he often did. Maybe you're spending all of your time chasing money, and Jesus would want you to chase after God's kind of love rather than the world's rewards. If Jesus were returning February 29th, this year, how would he want you to live differently? But now, if you've got that in mind, here's the, the key point uh, when thinking about Jesus' return in the end times. This is the number one thing to know. Are you ready for this? If Jesus would want you to live differently between now and February 29th in time for his return, wouldn't he want you to live that way even if he's not returning on February 29th? That is the key point. You might, if you knew the date, you might have more urgency, right? More motivation. But whether Jesus returns in two weeks or 200 years, that doesn't actually change how Jesus wants us to live our lives day to day. So if something came to your mind when I asked about Jesus returning on February 29th, why don't you just go ahead and make that change? Make Jesus happy anyway. It's going to work out better for you in the long run anyway. So what's stopping you? Paul told the Thessalonians in our first text today, as to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we beg you, brothers and sisters, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed. In other words, just live like Jesus is returning soon, no matter what. 
I was at a church conference last week, and one of the speakers told us that he had resolved uh, to invest in his health one year, and he found a screaming deal at a local gym, promotional deal, $10 a month, and it just so happened that uh, 24 Hour Fitness purchased this gym during his promotional period, and according to U.S. law, they have to honor that forever. So he got $10 a month gym membership to 24 Hour Fitness that they could not cancel. Uh, and of course, you know, all, all that was thanks to his resolution, his resolve to invest in his faith uh, at just the right time. But there was one catch. There's always a catch, right? Uh, in those 10 years that he had that membership for $10 a month, 10 years, he went once. <laughs> his resolve failed between his house and the gym every time. But, but he couldn't give up that membership because it was such a good deal, right? Surely next week he would go to the gym. In fact, he said the only thing used, that he used less than his gym membership was the exercise equipment in his basement. <laughs> Paul told the Thessalonians in our main text today, to this end we always pray for you, asking that our God will make you worthy of his call, will fulfill by his power every good resolve and work of faith, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him. For God's will to be shown in us, for Jesus to be glorified in us and us in him, for our lives to reflect Jesus' power and Jesus' grace, Paul says we need good resolve. The Thessalonians needed good resolve because they were afraid they had missed out on Jesus' return. They doubted they had any time left. We are more likely to doubt whether our faith has any sense of urgency. Most of us probably think, Jesus won't return in, our, in my lifetime. Most of us probably think, I have many years ahead of me. Maybe Jesus won't return in our lifetimes. Maybe he will. Maybe we have lots of years ahead of us in our lives. Maybe we don't. I think we stand to lose a lot if we treat our faith like going to the gym. I'll get to it next week, next month, next year, next decade. I'll get around to it eventually. I think we stand much to lose if we treat our faith like that, but I believe we stand much to gain, to gain a loving, meaningful life if we have the good resolve to follow Jesus today, tomorrow, and the next day. If you take out the insert in your bulletin, go ahead and grab the insert from your bulletin. And on, uh, it's either the front or the back. There's a little box. It's on the bottom of the page. I don't remember if it's on the front or the back, but it's on the bottom of the page. There's a box. Take a look at that. Now, we're in mid-February, and that means I'm very confident that 90% of your New Year's resolutions have already failed. <laughs> but it's a leap year, right? So we don't, these don't come around that often. So let's, what if we made a leap year faith resolution? If you go back to that scenario, imagining Jesus returning on February 29th, how would he want you to live? And why don't we just go ahead and do that? The box there says, by February 29th, I will invest in my faith by dot, dot, dot. Fill in that gap. What's one thing that Jesus might want you to write in that box? Just one thing. I know all of us could have a long list, right? Just one thing. So leap your faith resolution. By February 29th, I will invest in my faith by give you a second to think about that.
you're coming up blank, maybe you feel Jesus calling you to invest in your faith by reading and reflecting on the Bible. If you want some help with that, we have our weekly devotional email that helps you learn, reflect, pray, and live. Send us an email. We'll get you signed up for that. Maybe you feel Jesus calling you to invest in the faith of your family. We have a, a weekly family devotional as well that you can do in your family. Send us an email. We'll get you onto that. Maybe you feel Jesus calling you to invest in your faith by praying for other people. We have our, our joys and concerns. You can take that, pray during the week for other people. Maybe you feel Jesus calling you to deep and meaningful relationships with people who actually care about you. We've got a lot of options there too. Come to the upcoming game night, meet some new people. Join one of the men's Bible studies or, or the adult Sunday school class or, or the women's circle or the shabby sheep women's Bible study or, or the book club or quilters if you've got that skill. We can connect you with relationships that matter. Maybe you feel Jesus calling you to invest in your neighborhood. If you want to have like a block party to get to know your neighbors better, to be the love of Jesus on your street, I'll even buy the meat for you. Have, have a little block party. Get to know the neighbors around you. Be the love of Christ in your neighborhood. I'm not joking about that. I'll, I'll buy the meat for you. Maybe it's not filet mignon, but we can have something pretty good. Maybe you feel Jesus calling you to serve other people. Volunteer at the parents' night out. Volunteer at the community dinner. Be a sub at WizKids. Or, or go volunteer at one of our partner organizations, Love, Inc., or the Life Center. What's your leap year faith resolution? By February 29th, I will invest in my faith by. If after all of that, you are still drawing a blank, that's okay. Shoot me an email. Let's grab coffee or lunch. I would be glad to help you figure out something that Jesus might be calling you to do and give you ideas of how to do it. Sisters and brothers, the church in Thessalonica was paralyzed by their doubt. They doubted that they had time left to live like Jesus because they thought they had missed his return. Paul assured them that they hadn't missed out, and he encouraged them to have the good resolve to live their lives of faith until he comes again, no matter how long that takes. We might be paralyzed by our doubt as well, but it's probably doubt that our faith needs to have any urgency at all. We have all the time in the world until we don't. Paul encourages us to have good resolve in our lives of faith until Jesus comes again too. Where might Jesus be calling you to have good resolve in your faith before February 29th? Amen.